Well, we got some rain yesterday, didn't we? I'm going to throw a trivia question out. I don't have a prize to give anybody, but probably a selected few people might know this. On record, the rainiest city in the United States, the continental United States. How many are voting for someplace in Washington? Raise your hand. How many are voting for someplace in Oregon? Raise your hand. How many vote for, like, in the South? How many would vote for a city in Alabama? Caroline. Mobile is the rainiest city. Top ten. Let me give you the top ten. I can't, I can't remember all the top ten, but you can look this up. I, I know some of you right now got your smartphones out. Like, ah, oh, that can't be true. The average rainfall in Mobile is 67 inches. That's over five feet of water. The Northwest is not even represented until number 24. And it's Olympia, Washington. So Mobile... Now, the next two are not going to surprise you because of that Gulf Coast area. The next one is Pensacola, around 65 inches. Third is a close third, and it's New Orleans with 64. And the other seven, one comes from Texas, and the rest come from Florida and Louisiana. So, let me give you the rainfall for Phoenix, Arizona. Anybody want to take a guess at the average rainfall in Phoenix, Arizona? I'll tell you this. It's 80% less than the average rainfall in the United States. How much? One inch. I don't think they would survive, but, uh, you know, it's, it's 8.03. And don't forget the 03 because they love every minute, every drop. Well, how do they live in Phoenix, Arizona. Where do they get their water? They can thank the Lord for our state in the middle of the country named Colorado. The Colorado River supplies water to so much of the southwestern part of the United States. We happen to be in Phoenix, Brendan, when they had a rainstorm. It's like, uh, it's almost like when we went to uh, Ireland, you could tell the tourists they carried umbrellas. They didn't, the rest of the people, you know, they, did, they just got wet. They were used to getting wet. It rains a lot in Ireland. But how do you think people treasure water in Phoenix, Arizona? Every drop. And that's why you don't see many people with grass in their yards. They've poured concrete and painted it green. You think I'm kidding. No, that's, that's the way, that's their yard. They don't have water just... And, and this here, I think, sometimes we take this for granted. Because we in the state like this, we get a lot of rainfall. Now, last year during garden time, we were like... How many days we went? Uh, like May, was it May or April? There was hardly any rain. And, and we were like in the depths of despair. Because we're not used to that. We're used to a, a usual rainfall. And back in 2011, when the tornado came through and it devastated places like Alberta and, and different parts of the city, Convoy of Hope pulled in, backed in an 18-wheeler, and our youth room turned into a warehouse of mainly this, crates and crates, because you don't treasure it until you don't have it. No wonder 
that one of the symbols in the Bible of the Holy Spirit is this right here. Water. Because this is life. Think about the prominence of the, of the idea of thirst in the Bible. We, we, one of the songs we did talked about we are hungry, we are thirsty. Thirst is a natural phenomenon that tells us that we're lacking water. That we need to replenish our body fluids. Listen to these references. This is Isaiah 44, verse 3. And this is just appetizer. I'm not getting to the main course yet. Okay? Isaiah 44, 3. Follow this. I will pour water on the thirsty land. God's promise is when people are thirsty and when they're in need of water, He says, I will pour water on the thirsty. Streams on the dry ground, I will pour out my spirit. There's that connection between water and spirit. He's actually talking about pouring out a spiritual renewal. I will pour my spirit out on your offspring, my blessing on your descendants. They will spring up like grass in the meadow, the evidence of rain. Like poplar trees by flowing streams, another reference to water. Some will say, I belong to the Lord. Others will call themselves by the name of Jacob. Still others will write on their hand, the Lord's. In other words, we just belong to the Lord and will take the name of Israel. Another place in Isaiah 55. In fact, the whole chapter is a call to those, and this is the phrase I want you to listen to this morning, spiritually dehydrated. That need water, that need his life. The whole chapter is a call. Is anyone thirsty? You know, I like the, the King James. Ho! Everyone that thirsteth, come to the waters. Don't you like that? Ho! It's H-O. Ho! It's kind of like, hey you! You that are thirsty. You that are in need of hydration in your soul. Come and drink even as you have no money. Come and take your choice of wine and milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Boy, will that come back to be a reference today. Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen to me and you will eat what is good. After hearing Tracy refer to the New Living Translation, Tracy, I'm going with your translation. Great word, by the way, Friday night. It says, you will enjoy the finest food. Come to me. With your ears wide open. This is how we get spiritually hydrated. Listen and you will find life. You'll find water. You'll find that life-giving substance. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. I will give you all the unfailing love I promised to David. See how I used him to display my power among the peoples. I made him a leader among nations. You also will command nations. You do not know, and peoples unknown to you will come running to obey, because I, the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, has made you glorious, are spiritually alive. Seek the Lord while you can find Him. Call on Him while He is near. Let the wicked change His ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that He may have mercy on them. And yes, turn to our God for He will forgive generously. This is all references to being spiritually alive, hydrated in your soul. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. The rain and snow, here comes the water again. The rain and the snow come down from heavens, stay on the ground to water the earth. 
They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. And he makes this connection. So is the same with my word. I will send it out. It's going to be like water. I will send it out. And it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all that I want it to. To prosper everywhere I send it. You will live in joy and peace. This is kind of like the the description of people who are hydrated in their soul. Have the spiritual life of God. The mountains and hills will burst into song. The trees of the field will clap their hands. There's a change in the landscape, he says. Where once there was thorns and cypress trees, cypress trees will grow. Where nettles grew, myrtles will sprout up. In other words, I'll take away the, the, the growth that is not a good growth and bring different growth. These events will bring great honor to the Lord's name. They will be an everlasting sign of His power and love. Let's just talk a little bit about the other, about dehydration. The loss of body fluids at a rate beyond one's intake. Profuse sweating. Different conditions. But cramps start setting in. The loss of electrolytes can be very serious. Electrolytes like potassium and sodium. I did a little research on this, and probably some of you don't need the research, but... It's a dangerous situation to get dehydrated and to lose your electrolytes. Electrolytes are electrical signals from one cell to another causing involuntary muscle contractions, cramps, and could lead to dizziness and loss of consciousness. My good friend Joe Shirley, who uh, passed away and went to be with the Lord last year, contractor, builder in Florida, brick mason, just did everything he could Pour concrete, he could do electrical, plumbing. He, was, he just could do the whole building. But he used to tell me this. He called it the bear claw. He said, when we felt the bear claw getting a hold of us, we stopped. He said, because it felt like something came up on your back and just started digging in. And then you knew that you were going across a line that could be dangerous. And we just shut it down, get hydrated, and quit for the day. In fact, people who've lived in Florida can tell you this. When roofers in the summer are coming to fix uh, and repair a roof or to put on a roof, I think they use flashlights to begin with before it gets daylight. But by midday, they're done. Because they know there's no need to risk losing fluids more rapidly than you can replenish. So they're, they're just conscious of the fact that if they get into a place, not only does it knock them out of that day, maybe the next day and maybe the next week if they have these conditions. Maybe some of you here have kind of stepped over that line, had to go to the hospital, get some IVs. Isn't it interesting that in our day and time, the football team now has full medical staff on the sidelines to hook up our star players, not our like, no good players, just our star players, and give them ideas so the cramps can go away because they got to go back in the game. Who would have thought that we'd have that? IVs are needed. The natural response to dehydration is water. Fluids, electrolytes. That's why water alone, when you get there, is not enough. You get some Powerade, and I found this, by antiwater. You ever, anybody ever heard of that? B-A-I, antiwater. It is such a drink. It has, like, the potassium and stuff like that. It's very expensive, though. It's about hydration. Now, Jim has ran some marathons uh, back in time. My daughter and I did a triathlon in Memphis called Memphis in May. We 
swam 1,500 meters, we rode bicycles for 25 miles, and we did a 5K, which is about three miles. Why did we do that? It's because we didn't know better. (laughs) We were stupid. We were motivated by generosity because we, we went to this meeting and this group was raising money for leukemia research and we're like, hey, we could do this. Whew. But uh, the night before, all we heard is hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. You've heard that. Hydrate. And then they, it was like a pasta revival the night before because everybody loaded up on carbs. You know what? I would have made a deal with somebody. Like, if you take half that swim off and added like 10 miles to the run, I would trade that off. It's just brutal. That's hydration. That's when you have to replenish those fluids. You have to be prepared. And God has an answer for those. You see, I really believe there's some here, maybe what Larry was referencing, I think there's some here that are spiritually dehydrated. Now notice... When dehydration steps, step, starts in, you don't know it's happening until you get a point, a breaking point. And then it's on you. And then it might be too late to start drinking water. I'm talking about spiritual hydration. And, and God speaks to his people about this over and over, especially in the Old Testament. Look at Jeremiah chapter 2. This is early in Jeremiah's prophecy. And Jeremiah said... I. I was chosen by the Lord while I was still in my mother's womb to be a prophet of God. And he says this early in his prophecy, and he speaks, he gives this summation from God to his people in verse 13. And this is, this is about hydration and the failure to hydrate spiritually. And not just the failure, but the replacement of what you need with something else. And in verse 13, the Lord speaks to the people through Jeremiah says, My people have done two evils, two great sins. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and hewed themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. They've committed two sins. First of all, they've abandoned their only real water source, which, who is me. It says, I am the fountain of living water. And they've abandoned their natural source for spiritual hydration. And instead, they have carved out with their own hands a substitute that does not work. You have a cistern, but it cannot hold the water you put in it. And some of you think this morning may be in spiritual dehydration. Here's maybe some of the symptoms. Low spiritual energy. Lethargy. Singing is no longer worship to you. It's just an occupation of your mind. Could be for entertainment. There's no drawing of your soul to interact with God. Because you're dehydrated. You're spiritually dehydrated. But there's good news. The fountain has not went away. The perpetual flow of living water from God is continual. It's kind of like Robert Morris said, he doesn't change. You don't have to stay dehydrated. The fountain is available. Come to that water this morning. Check out the source of what makes you alive, what makes you the most alive. 
cisterns. You think, well, you know, that, that analogy, but I think many times we get dehydrated because we come up with our own cisterns. We come up with our own substitutes. I want to take you to John 7. This is, this is the main course, okay? Those, that other was appetizers. But I promise you, we are past halfway. How's that? Does that encourage you? This is the festival that is called the Great Joy. This is considered the most happy of all the festivals that the Jewish people observed. It's called the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Booths. It's where, in Leviticus 23, this is where it's stipulated in the seventh month, they would take a week, a week to do this, and on the first day of that week, they would have a day of fasting and solemn assembly of seeking God, and they would build these makeshift little huts or booths out of branches and whatever. And during the whole week, they would go out, they didn't, they didn't sleep in the huts, they got a break on that. But they would go out and eat. And what they were supposed to be doing is connecting that observance to when they were like a nomadic people before they got into the promised land. While they were still living in tents and, and portable places to, to house their family. It was, they were always on the move. They didn't have anything permanent. And this was to remind them that all through their journey through the wilderness, through that 40 plus years before they got in and could build their own homes, they, God wanted to remind them by this festival that He took care of them. And they didn't have to stay there. But He did not want them to forget it. Now in John 7... It specifies specifically, I think that's a double use of the word for emphasis, the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, you've heard me say before, John wrote later in his gospel that if he tried to be exhaustive of what Jesus said and what he did, there wouldn't be enough books. So what you have in John is a highly small selection of things that Jesus did and said. This is why... The Gospel of John and the Gospel itself, the four Gospels, is, should be our treasure. Because these were highly selected things. He did a lot more than what's in those books. And it specifically said that he was at the Feast of Tabernacles. I was wondering if he was going to show up. He shows up and he even says, John even records, think about this. He even makes a mention in chapter 7, in the middle of the seven-day week, in the middle of the festival, this happened. And what was going on there, if you're following in John 7, I'm going to go to verse 37 here in just a moment if you want to find that. But what was going on, they were, the adversaries of Jesus was continually harassing him. Pressing him with questions, trying to get him off message. And, and the last day, it even says, the last day of the feast. This happens. Why would he specify on the very last day of the feast? Because you see... They added one more day in Leviticus 23 to the seven days, the eighth day. And the eighth day was supposed to be a day of fasting, but a celebration. And here's what the high priest would do on that last day of that festival. And this is the context by which Jesus says what he says. The, the priest would leave the temple with two golden pitchers. 
And one of those pitchers, he would fill it with wine. The other one, they would walk to the pool of Siloam and he would dip that pitcher in the water and he would walk back. And there was two silver basins when he got back to the temple and he poured them in as a drink offering to God. And I mean, celebration broke out. It's called the great joy. You know, Middle Eastern people, they love to celebrate and they love to sing and dance as they sing. And this would be the grand celebration. And right in the middle of this procession, right in the middle of all this parade, Jesus says this. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me. Not the pool of Siloam that you can't even drink the water out of because people get in it. And shepherd boys bring their sheep in there and they, that's where they drink. And it's, it's not a place to get water to drink but he's saying if anyone thirst come to me and drink he who believes in me as the scripture has said out of his heart will flow rivers of living water but this he spoke of the holy spirit again it's this connection between water and the spirit whom those believing in him would receive for the holy spirit was not yet given because jesus was not yet glorified he said if you come to me You'll have this perpetual well inside of you that continues to hydrate your life. You won't need a gold pitcher to go get water from somewhere else. That might be an expensive container, but it doesn't give you life. It just has this remarkable look to it, but it doesn't work. And of course, they get all up in arms and some of the people cry, Oh, this is truly the prophet. Others said he, he's the Messiah. Says, well, will Christ come out of Galilee? And they had this little argument. And there was a division among the people. Fancy that. There was division among the people because of him. There's still division over Jesus. Now, some of them wanted to take him, but no one laid hands on him. Now, why was this so significant? You know, one of the ancient rabbis said this, anyone who has not seen this water ceremony has never seen rejoicing in his life. It's that backdrop. Jesus just rained on the parade. Stopped them. He said, I'm your water. He interrupts it. You know, I think some are dehydrated this morning. And the thirst you sense can only be supplied by the Lord's water. We have cisterns. We have our substitutes. Let me tell you this. In, in our altar time, we're just going to play some music from the sound room. Because I just want to see us all get hydrated this morning. But the whole thing about how are we, how are we hydrating our life? I want to tell you, you cannot live this out by the drink of water you're getting this morning. The word of the Lord, worship, loving Him. You know, Frank Cochran, the older Frank Cochran used to say, we need to spend the rest of the week just getting, for sun- getting ready for Sunday. We don't need to get up Sunday and say, oh man, I lost an hour of sleep last night. No. You get to worship the Lord. You get to have a fresh encounter with God. But if you don't have that Monday through Saturday, I'm sorry. You're not going to fare well. 
And this is what he's saying. You need to trade in the cisterns that you've created. That little maybe slip of uh, verse of the day on you version. That we, you know, including me, make a nice little picture out of it and put it on Facebook. If it's not more than that, you're dehydrated. And if the Bible sits closed near you throughout the week, you, my friend, are dehydrated. And this is what happens. As I was in this sanctuary preparing for this message and just worshiping the Lord, had music going, a pastor sent me a text that just made me fall to my knees. He says, I'm in so much pain. My daughter is now a prodigal. She's left. She's left with her children and she's just left God and left the church. And this powerful warrior of the Lord is now, I don't know what's going on. And and I mean, he says, pray for me as I prepare to preach. And, And I said, she's spiritually dehydrated. I said, this is what I was talking about. And see, her condition just didn't hit her overnight. The wisdom is this. You think you're okay. You think you can just get by with a sip every now and then at your cistern. But there's no doubt that people don't make those decisions without there being it leading up to a breakdown of themselves spiritually. And you may think you're safe. You may think, I've, 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 I can memorize Scripture and, and i got somebody praying for me and you know, I check Facebook out and somebody has a devotional there. I read that. You know, you're just asking someone to give, them part, give you part of their meal. You need to find your own nourishment from the Lord. And we, we, it doesn't matter if you're a pastor or who you are. You cannot go on yesterday's blessing. We all need hydrated. Would you stand with me? Pray with me. Lord, you're the water. You're the source. You're the living water. We live in a barren world. There's dryness all around us. And we can get pulled into that dryness. Lord, I'm praying for those who realize they haven't been drinking that water enough. That we come and not just drink now, but Lord, make a decision. I want daily hydration, Lord. I'm missing something in my life. I'm missing having you every day. And then that's you. I want you to just come and take some time to be in His presence.